Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problems Solved, another episode in the Confident Women Leaders series. This week, I have an amazing opportunity to have a really fun conversation with Sandra Thompson. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do, because it allows me to bring amazing guests like Sandra closer to us all. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the immense pleasure of chatting with Sandra Thompson, founder of EI Evolution. How the devil are you, Sandra? I am brilliant. Thank you so much for asking. And if you could see it, I'll be doing a little dance because it's that kind of approaching the midweek. We got through a certain amount this week and it's coming up to a few days off. Yes, amazing. And one thing I found though, actually, just before we we, we talk about your story, the sun's started to shine now. Does this mean that you're out in the garden uh, with with a glass of vino during the day? It doesn't mean that. Uh, it means that I've been probably out for a walk, and it's really warm in here. So these cheeky little red cheeks that you can see going on is, in actual fact, if I open the door too wide probably someone will start cutting their lawn yeah yeah no amazing so this might because it's it's warm in here as well because it might automatically when i walk into the office the first thing i do is, is push the um we've got them eaters on the wall i push the button for the on and i forgot to turn it off before so i'm i'm boiling in here as well so this might be the first podcast that finishes naked um <laughs> Woo! you're yeah. in for a treat <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway uh, enough about enough about me um so sandra thompson how have you got, normally I say, how have you got to sit in that seat today? But I think you're the first guest I've spoken to that's standing up. So how have you got to stand up in that position today, Sandra Thompson? You see, I'm five foot two. So some people do wonder whether I'm sitting or standing. So that's a little bit of an in-joke there. Hmm. Um, where to start then? So I think I'm going to kind of work backwards maybe with, can I start going backwards with what I'm doing now and where that all came from? Is that allowed? Yeah, yeah of course it is. Okay, yeah, it's, your, it's, it's your journey. Oh, thanks. So right now I wear a few different hats. The first thing is that I lecture. So I'm a a lecturer in a business school in central London, Pearson Business School, and I teach poor souls all about people management and leadership and some stuff on uh, customer experience and emotional intelligence. And I got that gig by accident. I went into Pearson and I said to them, do you know, I've done some consultancy on student experience and I really think you should do it, blah, blah, blah. And I could tell they weren't listening. And I was just like, well, this is a bit of a waste, isn't it? But actually they weren't listening because they were thinking about, she could teach this. So rather than saying, yeah, sure, you can have a consultancy gig, they said, have you ever thought about teaching this? No, would you think about it? Yes. And so I walked out of that building with my first ever lecturing job and they trusted me. I mean, I had a bit of an interview type kind of audition thing to make sure that I was able to communicate at least. But my gosh, you know, who knew? And it was one of those things where it was that sense of, am I going to regret saying this? Am I actually going to be able to do this? And I just thought, you know what? Do it for a month. And no one really cares. And five years later, 
that's how I landed that particular gig. You just don't know until you say yes and then you figure it out. I think that's what someone said once. <laughs> that's one hat. Another hat is um, I run a consultancy. So that EI evolution, that's the blend of emotional intelligence and customer experience. Whew, and that's a bit of a longer journey. So 10 years ago, I was made redundant. 11 years ago, I was made redundant. Um, reorganization, do you want these particular jobs? Not really. Well, ta-ra then. And, you know, that whole, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then you think, do you know what? Now is the time to get on with it. And very fortunately, I had some really uh, kind people who put me in touch with a number of opportunities that came up. And luckily I landed a gig uh, within the first week of me not having any work, um, which then started my business. Uh, I was very fortunate to work with some really great brands in the last uh, 10 years, you know, Arsenal Football Club, depending on how you feel about that, <laughs> raised eyebrows from Lee. I think we know who he supports. Uh, and then, you know, you know Waitrose, um, Vodafone and also some some SMEs as well and actually I love working with those too so that's the kind of consultancy bit um, but before all of that I was a marketeer yeah wash my mouth out I worked in a marketing role yeah. and I loved it and actually the reason why I loved it is because it was all about people trying to understand how people tick I mean, it's fascinating I certainly did the wrong degree because I should have done psychology and I didn't do psychology, <laughs> but marketing is a great, what, isn't marketing great? It, it, so I never really understood how important marketing was until I had my own business. And mm. and I, it, it's so important, so mm. important. And, but it also, it, it kind of allows you to be your creative self as well. Mm. So I think, I think it ticks a lot of boxes for me personally. Um, yeah. But when I was in the corporate world, marketing was never really, um, seen very favorably they were the mm. first ones to have the budget cut um, so so yeah so I, in fact actually let, let's just talk about that just for a second why so you, you said that marketing is great you've loved marketing I now see the value of marketing now I've got my own business why do corporates not see the value of marketing now it's really interesting because now I run a business and I do a bit of my own marketing and I deal with marketing agencies, <laughs> I can now see why some people don't have time for them. And the reason is that they talk a load of jargon, which I used to do, and sometimes the results aren't instant. And so as a business, if you're gonna talk to me in gobbledygook and show me all this shiny stuff, when really what I want is grit and result, you run out of patience. And actually, when I reflect on the times I'd have conversations about and the brand and the essence of the brand and the brand architecture, I mean, they're all important, right? But the MD doesn't care. They just want, that's not true. Please forgive me, anyone who's listening from a marketing background. I know that they do, but often they don't need to know all that stuff. And I definitely recognize a time when I thought that... I was more important because I had all of this, this language that I was using and it wasn't bringing in the immediate results. Uh, it's different now to when I was in, when I was a girl uh, doing the marketing stuff, because of course with digital and with the amount of data available, it's far easier to understand it. But I can tell you one thing, 
you definitely notice those organizations who haven't invested in the marketing because they fail. Eventually they fail or they become perceived as something that they are not. And then they've got to invest so much more money in trying to correct that course. Um, So I think, you know, some of the amazing uh, neuroscience, the behavioral science, the psychology that's now coming into marketing is making, I think, more robust. You've got more kind of test. You had test and learn in in direct marketing, but there's more, there's more, um, there's, it feels like there's more tangibility, but I do think it comes back to prove your worth because you know what, over there in operations, they've got stuff moving. I can see it. Yeah. Over here, I've got a name and nice colors and a couple of brochures. Which one do I absolutely have to? This is me waving my hands right now. Yeah. Uh, which one do I absolutely have to rely on to keep my business running? And that's where uh, marketing gets the cut. Yes, completely. So um, just before I ask my next question, have you got any other hats? Yeah. And, Ready? And, yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. So I have a, I have a coaching hat. Uh, so... I did a master's degree about 20 odd years ago. And uh, that was about emotional intelligence then because Daniel Goleman's book had been out, I don't know, four years or so. And um, I read the book, wrote my dissertation and then forgot. How can you forget one of the most traumatic periods of my life, writing (laughs) up a 15,000 word dissertation. So I forgot that I did emotional intelligence um, and the college invited me to write an academic paper. And yet again, I just said yes. And then I worked, I figure out, right, be fine. And I chose to do it about emotional intelligence. So again, it was coming from another theoretical background. At that point, I thought to myself, do you know what? You know all the chat, but can you really, are you really understanding the practical implications? All these people are saying that EI rocks and you can be healthier and calmer and happier and wealthier and blah, 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 with this thing, go and do it. So I went off and I joined um, Goldman EI and I studied for about a year and a half and I've luckily passed the exam. And as a consequence of passing the exam and getting a badge, I can now coach people, but with a kind of emotional intelligence slant. So what we got, we got a coach, teacher, teacher, consultant. I think, I think that's it. Oh, an auntie. I'm an auntie and a godmum. And that is a big hat. Yeah. Right. Let's get clear on that. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So, so thank you for that. Um, I've got so many questions. I don't, I don't know where to start. So if I, in fact, I'll start here. I'll start with the, I'll start with the EI stuff. So you've got EI evolution is now um, what you do as part of the consulting stuff. And then it was a coach. So is it the same EI? Is it still, is that what it is? So emotional intelligence is, is that the EI for evolution? Yeah, and it's the, the EI for the, um, for, the, for the Goldman stuff. Um, what is emotional intelligence in your eyes? I always use the Goldman definition that he came up with. So he didn't create emotional intelligence. It was created by a bunch of other people, but he popularized it. But I pick his because it's easy to understand. Yeah. So it's basically the ability to understand, to recognize and understand the emotions in yourself so that you can develop your relationships and have a kind of just better life. But it all comes down to how you recognize and understand the emotions in you so that you can recognize and understand the emotions in others. Now, the thing is we're walking around like chemistry labs. We've got emotions going on all of the time. And very often people don't 
or rather they underestimate, let me say that, they underestimate the power of emotion. Yeah. And actually just earlier today, I was running a workshop to invite people to consider that no emotion is good or bad. It's the meaning that you attach to it. You know that you're nodding your head furiously. And I think that's the amazing thing about this emotional intelligence thing. I think that's why people need to know it's this thing and not empathy. Yeah. And it can be really good for you. Yeah. So and I think one of the misconceptions about AI is, is it's about how well you can read other people. And I think what you've just beautifully articulated there is that actually it starts with understanding yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is that something that you find that actually that, that, that people, people believe that it's about understanding emotions in other people? Um, I'll, I'll stop there. I'll ask that as one question before I ask a second additional question on top of that. I think it's true. Um, and I actually think that the, the, the area that I work in, so I, I work in um, employee experience and customer experience, mostly in my consultancy. And I think it, a lot of people think it's a magic wand. It's a bit like if I shake this now, I'm going to know what the emotions of my customers are going to be when they turn up. I'm going to know what the emotion is when I do this thing along their journey. It's not going to happen. So I think that people do expect to predict the type of emotions that come up in people. And actually that's nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Completely. So you've just mentioned it there as well, actually, because I was going to go on to the, the, the thing around um, your marketing and operations um, customer experience started in marketing, I, I believe. Um, but now it's kind of moving over to operations. And so I, I guess actually, um, I'll take it a step back. So I've got, I've got this best model. Um, it's, it's the, it's the acronym, not my belief of it. Um, so the T stands for targets. And I think historically consultants have gone into businesses to try to improve a particular measure of particular targets and stuff like that. Then there was a, this big movement um, in customer satisfaction. So, and then people said, if you improve your satisfaction, which is the S part of the best model, then it'll improve your, improve your targets. Then a few years later, people became a bit cuddly and feely and touchy and employee engagement was the, was the thing after that. And then they said, oh, look after your people, improves your customer satisfaction, which will then naturally um, fit to your, your, your business targets. And then, then I've got this B thing at the bottom, which is leadership behavior. So leadership behaviors drive employee engagements that drive, or, or not just necessarily leadership behaviors, but all behavior drives employee engagement that drives customer satisfaction and, and um, then business targets. So that's my little best model. Um, and I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm in the process of trying to prove and disprove it and, and have conversations and whether people believe it or don't believe it. But what you, first question is, marketing is where customer experience appeared to start and then it moved over to or it's moving over to operations but customer experience has got a, not the most positive of reputations in terms of bottom line um, figures and results is that because of where it came from in your view and or is it because of how it's applied or what what is it it's interesting because you know there are there are two schools of thought first thing um the customer experience came from customer service rather than from marketing. But interestingly, I came from marketing into customer experience. So it's not unusual for people's roles to come from marketing because that fascination with people into CX. Its reputation comes down to a couple of things. The first thing is that, and this is what my TEDx actually is about, which basically says we are obsessed with programs and projects and processes 
and we forget to win the hearts and minds of people. So change management, I don't care who you talk to. The fact is that if something is done to you, no vote. If you are involved and you are believing and you are willing, uh uh-huh, brilliant. So I think that the issue that we have had is that the types of things we've tried to do have been too big. They take too long. People get bored. So luckily, the approach now that in customer experience work, there are more, not everyone, but there is more kind of agile sprints. Thank God for agile. Getting little bits and pieces done to prove, oh, do you know, that stuff is actually quite good. Saved us a bit of money over here. Rather than trying to do the five-year transformation program where financial directors roll their eyes and just think, bring on the next presenter. So I think number one, breaking it down. Number two, it's the hearts and minds. It's getting under the skin of what is going on for people. And that, I think, is the reason why I've decided to focus on emotional intelligence within customer experience, because it's my firm belief that things fail because people aren't feeling it right. They're feeling a resistance, a dislike, a stubbornness because they're not being involved in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, so my favourite, in fact, it's my only Mayor Angelou quote that I know, but it's one of my favourite quotes overall. I think she she says, people will forget what you did, people people will forget what you did, people forget what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think that that's so important. And if I was to ask you what your oldest childhood memory is, then you'd be able to recall, you'd be able to recall a memory from, from a point in time. But if I was to ask you, what did you have for your lunch three weeks ago on Tuesday? It's a lot more difficult because the brain remembers things in pictures and emotions. And if you get those two things together, then, um, then, then it allows you to recall those things. You know, if you asked me that question when I was 14, I would have been able to say to you, it was a peach Melbourne yogurt, <laughs> sandwich bread sandwiches on white bread, salt and vinegar crisps, and a can of Coke. So there you what, go. Yeah, yeah. So why at 14 and not now? <laughs> because I used to get, I mean, I can't, my poor mum, she used to say, she used to give me a fat lunch. But when I saw sandwich bread in the shop recently, I was taken back all those <laughs> years to that horrific moment where, oh, you got sandwich bread again. Yes, I've got sandwich. You can make your own, you know, at the age of 14. Yes, I could. But let's face it, there's more time to do other stuff than make my sandwiches. Sorry, we slightly digress. Yeah, no, no, that's good. Is that, you know, that point around what people remember, we know it from behavioral science. We know behavioral science tells us that extremes of emotion create the memory. And yet organizations continue to allow those issues, those complaints, to make it difficult to complain, to make it awkward, to make it embarrassing, shameful to complain. And they don't create those moments where people remember. And here's the thing. You don't have to delight your customers at all. You just have to create memorable experiences. And that could be as thoughtful as saying, Lee, I noticed that we took a couple of extra days to get you that thing. So here's another thing, because we know you really love this thing. We're going to give that to you because we know what you like. Yeah blown away and that's where again sorry to harp on but emotional intelligence comes in because if you've got an agent or a member of staff who actually cares and is listening properly and can tell from your voice that the thing that excites you more than anything is this thing they're going to remember it and then they're going to do something about it when the opportunity arises and that's all it takes 
I love that. I love that. How do you get people to do that though? So how 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 do you get people to buy in to to that concept? Two things. First of all, you need to ensure that people have the ability the ability to listen properly. And you know, we take listening for granted, don't we? We hear so much stuff all the day, days in, days out. Are we really tuned in? We should be exhausted when we properly focus in on what someone's saying because it's not only what words the tone the speed the emphasis and all that kind of great stuff it's often the body language and some facial expressions that you chuck in for good measure that's one thing but the second thing and this is the this is the thing if organizations don't allow people to use those skills it's never going to show up so while you might have someone who's highly skilled in emotional intelligence, if policies, procedures, their manager, their leader, the systems don't allow them to do that one thing that's really helpful, they just won't do it or they'll leave and they'll go and work for your competitor and they'll do that thing for their competitor and then they'll make a shed load of money for that competitor. I mean, there are some glorious stories of people who went, you know, that saying they go the extra mile. That's all it needs. Do you allow your people to do that? I mean, luckily in call centers, things like average handling times, they're not as common these days. They still do exist. But imagine if you actually had someone's attention, you didn't have to repeat yourself. And that person brought back something that you said earlier in the conversation. But how often does it happen? It doesn't. No, no, com completely, completely agree with you. And I'm, I'm writing an article at the minute, actually, about coaching the difference between leading with questions and leading questions. And, and I think what, what a lot of people do is they, they, they believe they are coaching, or, um, but they with leading questions, but not leading with questions. Um, mm. And, and I think there's a difference within that. And I think when you're answering the phone, it's not about leading questions to get to navigate you to the end of the process. It's about leading with questions to understand that. And, 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 and exactly like you've just said, actually, it's about mm. giving them the opportunity and then having a, just a, a two way conversation rather than sticking to the process um, yeah. through it as well. Um, you come across, right, Sandra, and you're, you're well passionate about what you do. You fully believe what you do. And I can talk, I could talk to you for, so and so many different avenues and tangents about all of this stuff. Um, I, I want to ask you more about your school dinners, but I'll not do that. Um, <laughs> it's best not to. Yeah. No. <laughs> have Have you always been this passionate, driven person? Yes, and I think that um, I again was very fortunate in that you know my my parents. They made their, their, whatever success means to anyone, they made their lives. And I saw, you know, my mum lived in a tiny valley in the middle of Wales. And she moved from that tiny weeny little village in the middle of the valleys in the middle of Wales. Yeah. We're getting the idea here. To London when she was 15 years old to find a job. Wow. This woman was determined and resilient and phenomenal. And my dad started his own business, did some other bits and pieces. But I think that they instilled in me and my sisters that if you really want to do something, you can do it. 
you know, this whole thing about it's out of my control. Of course, there are certain things. You know, I can't become an astronaut now. Kind of been the idea. But, you know, if you really want to do something, then you can make it happen. You can make it happen. And it's interesting you say this, Lee, because, in fact, I find I'm a bit Marmite. Some people find it a bit like some kind of... <laughs> when they meet me when I'm like this, because I'm feeling very energized. And there are other times when I have to tone it right down and be far more methodical and calm because otherwise people do a runner because <laughs> they're thinking, if she expects me to be like this, you've got another thing coming, quite frankly. Um, but I think I've been very fortunate in the opportunities that have come my way. I think that lots of things in life, you know, I quit my job at 30 and I went traveling around the world on my own, uh, you know, without a mobile phone, without a laptop, those are the days. So I think you set up yourself with opportunity. And I think I've just been very lucky to meet some extraordinary people and to be presented with some outstanding opportunities. I've just grabbed them. And actually not all of them worked out. Some of them were quite, well, actually some of them were a bit of a nightmare, but you kind of live and learn, right? Don't you? And you kind of just think, what do you really want? And I, I brought this along. You won't be able to see this, guys, but I've got this book that's called Goal Digger. Oh, yeah. And I think if you're able just to focus, write a few things down. If you want something, that's what I tell my partner's kids. If you want it, you can have it. Yeah, I love that. They're I love, the sermon. No, I, lo I love it. I love it because I think you, you're off. In fact, actually, you, um, you mentioned the word lucky and look a few times. Is it luck? Mm. I, I, yeah, it's a, there's a great, thank you for asking that question. Um, truly, I think you make your own luck. Um, but I think that there are certain times when extraordinary things happen. Well, you know that much, much better than I do. But, you know, if you're willing and open-minded. So I could have said to Pearson, I don't do teaching. I don't think so. I'm out here. Yeah. I could have said to the person who said, do you want to do an academic paper? Nah, not doing that. Too difficult. I could have said when I moved in with my first partner at that time, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this, but I'm grateful for that. You know what I mean? It's all yeah. life experiences. So if you are able, if you're able to be open-minded and perhaps take on a bit of risk, what's the worst that can happen? There will always be mates and some family members hanging around where you can sleep on their floor and you'll find a job somewhere. And that's what I say to my partner's boys is, if you want it, you'll find a way. And with LinkedIn now, it's, it feels so much easier. You know, my students tap me up for placements. They'll, you know, if they work studiously, then of course I'll put them in touch with someone from EY or PwC or whatever else. But if you don't ask, you won't get and you'll never know. Yeah, when you were talking for your introduction um, and you said that you'd said yes a number of times. And when I asked you the look question, I, I think and I think it's because you've said yes so to, to different opportunities. And, and the, I think it was the Richard Branson quote that you said around um, learn how to do it after you've said it or whatever, however, it, however it's said. And I, I think that's so, imp that's so important, but you're living, living proof of actually um, not closing doors, just seeing where those doors, doors take you. Um, is that because of the um, the the lessons from your parents, or is it is is it because is it ingrained? What what is it? What is it that gives you the confidence, Sandra, to walk through an open door? Um, 
I think I, I oh my god, that's a really that's another great question. We're digging into the self awareness here right now. Um, I do think that the the way that my parents were, and you know, let's not beat around the bush. We used to fight like cat and dog too, because I was a bit of a nightmare teenager, quite frankly. Uh, I used to push the boundaries all of the time, but they did prove to me that things are possible. I think that's one thing. And the second thing is that I'm fiercely independent. And I think that when you make the choice to make your own choices, you kind of leave yourself without a choice to take those steps. You know, yeah. the number of people who said to me, oh, I can't believe you're going traveling on your own. Oh my God, you're 30, you're a woman, you're 30, you're not taking a mobile phone. Oh, wouldn't do that, wouldn't be able to do that. And I just thought, do you know what? I am absolutely petrified but I'm going to do this anyway, because how bad can it be? And I think the more of those steps that you take, the more confidence you get. So I think now I think I'm answering your question. It's, you know, those little steps yeah. of, so if I do take my driving test, let's see what happens. Oh, have I failed of a past? If I do ask that question in that meeting, if I do make contact with that person and ask them if I can have an interview, they're all little things that means, you know, you, it still can be quite crushing when the answer I get back is no, or something goes peak tong, yeah. but it's the ability to bounce back and know that there's so much amazing stuff. I think it's um, Tim Minchin, Tim Minchin, who the, the Australian comedian who's done amazing stuff, you know, when he says, is the world not big enough for you? Is there not enough curiosity and wonder in the whole world? And I just think, get out there live your life yes yeah i love it i love it and i could i could talk to you all day and the next question really is when you said you were um, a teenager and you were pushing those boundaries is that the real reason you had peach melba yogurt for your lunch <laughs> <laughs> oh you just made it all connect now <laughs> you just made it no i tell you it's not the peach melba yogurt it's the sandwich bread without a shadow of a doubt because you know what when you eat that as an adult you realise how much vinegar is in it and how you actually do not want to eat it ever again in your life. And a wagon wheel. I had a wagon yeah. wheel too. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> what, what, whilst we're on the subject of food, what are you having for your tea? I don't know. I made dinner last night and I have absolutely no idea what's happening tonight. Oh, do, do, do you take it in turns? Uh, we, we do take it in turns. Quite frankly, it's mostly my partner that does the cooking because normally I'm doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, so he's very good like that. And also we wrote them, my partner's kids in to, to and they're, they're brilliant cooks. Oh my gosh. If they could cook every night, I would be well delighted. And also probably another stone heavier, which I don't really need to do. <laughs> so are, are you saying that in the hope that they're going to listen to this podcast and they'll, they'll get the message? <laughs> okay, here we go. Curry. Heard that. I try yeah. and I don't open the door. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, I'm a bit of a sucker for, for traveling to India and eating curry for breakfast. That's that's my vice. Yeah. What's next don't for you? What, what's next for you, Sandra? Um, I am almost effervescent with excitement. You think this is high energy? We're um working on a project which is a totally different type of event. Um, it's a summit but it has five months worth of learning in what we're calling the learning lounge which starts in May uh, so it's the not wait for this it's a catchy title the EI evolution 
Summit. Woohoo! Hey, hey very so good. It's the EI Evolution Summit. Um, we're speaking at the moment to some pretty big names, household names yeah. to come and speak in October. And we've got five months worth and we're going to cover customer experience, employee experience and remote work experience. Those three things for five months and then two days of amazement and then everyone can go home. It's all going to be online. Fantastic. I love that. That's big and I'm excited. Yeah, no, that's well exciting. The, the thing that's in my head, is, I'm, in my head, I can't stop singing E-I-E-I go. I can't stop singing that in my head now. Um, so apology, apologies for that. Um, right. uh, dear me, dear me, sorry. Um, right, what, one, final, one final question. Um, if people want to know more about you, because I want to know more about you now, Sandra, um, because there's so many different um, tangents that this conversation could have gone. Um, I want to know more about emotional intelligence. I want to know more about EI evolution. I want to know more about your teaching and, and the stuff. Where can people go to find out more about Sandra Thompson? So there's two places. Um, one is the website, which is eievolution.com. Uh, no surprises there. And then really LinkedIn. Check uh, check out. I think it's um, I think it's Sandra Thompson CXEI. Uh, so I'm not American and I'm not. 84 so if you find that Sandra Thompson that's not me uh but no Sandra Thompson CXEI and because LinkedIn I'm, I'm kind of it's like Facebook I think or whatever the other thing is that most people are on every day um I'm on LinkedIn all the time because I'm curious and fascinated so yeah either the website or LinkedIn perfect Perfect. I just want to say thank you so much for uh, for sharing about your journey, your story, what you've got on, and then and then the exciting journey that's uh, that's about your right to embark on. It's been thoroughly enjoyable to chat with you. Um, I'm not going to be able to look at sandwich bread the same again or peach melba yogurts. They're, they've gone from my um, from my uh, fridge when I get home. Um, but yeah, good luck. Good luck with everything, Sandra, and uh, and and take care. Thank you, Lee. This has been a delight. I haven't laughed this hard for ages. <laughs> Cheers, Sandra. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.